Amen. Well, uh, good to be with you tonight. Um, the title of tonight's message is Famous Last Words. And let me give you a few. Honey, don't worry, that bear is just hibernating. I know this great shortcut we can take. Are you sure the power is off? Babe, I've got this. I've seen this repair done on TV. No, he doesn't bite. And finally, my all-time favorite, I can make this light before it changes. Why are you laughing? Because you did it today, didn't you? Well, tonight I want to talk to you uh, about words. I feel that they're important, uh, not only in our communication one to another, but uh, tonight it, it's, I want to hone in on the power behind words and the impact that words have. In fact, our core scripture is found, and it's very famous. Most of you have heard it. It's in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I love that verse because there's so much packed in there. It, it pretty much tells us what's going on and, and, and what impact we have with our tongue. And plain and simple, the words that we speak fall into one of these categories, either their life or either their death. Would you agree? Amen. And nowadays, it, it just seems that there is an, an open instrument for people to speak whatever is on their mind. They do not hold anything back. Uh, it's very simple and easy to see. As soon as you turn your TV on, there's some opinion being given, or you might be on your phone, and there, there's something that pops up on Facebook as soon as you, you know what I'm saying? It seems like nowadays there's a freedom to do it. Back in the day, uh, when uh, Michelle and I were at LSU, there was a specific day uh, where people gathered to kind of speak what was on their mind. And it was called Free Speech Alley. But here's the deal. It was a certain day at a certain time, and it was, it was maybe for one hour, and that was it. You didn't hear anything prior, and you didn't hear anything after. It was respectful, and it was kept sort of like that. Not true anymore. People are giving everything towards their opinion. It's plastered over the media. Uh, it, it's just simply uh, everywhere, even in sports. So I have a challenge and a little demonstration. What I want you to do right now, pull out your phone and hold it up, if you don't mind, if you have a phone. Okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to hand it over to me, and I'm going to open up Facebook and see what your last words that you posted. How about that? Just kidding. You can put your phone down. But the reality is, is that words are tearing apart the fabric of our country as it is right now. 
more than ever before. There's a major lack of positive. There's a major lack of uh, integrity. There's a major lack of, of life words. But what's happening is there are death words. It happens between mom and son. It happens between dad and daughter. It happens between relatives. It happens at work. It even happens in our churches across America. In fact, I call it death by tongue not chocolate. It's literally rampant everywhere. In fact, someone said the tongue has no bones, but is strong enough to break a heart. But it didn't start that way. Right in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. He spoke it into existence. And you go down further and he talks about when he created man, it refers to in Scripture a living being. And that word living being literally means a speaking spirit. And we created in the image of Adam, right? We, we, we are a speaking spirit. But the original intent was God spoke life into man. Would you agree? He spoke positive into man. He breathed life. How do I know that? Because in Genesis it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In Exodus it says, the Lord will fight for you. In Leviticus it says, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. In Numbers, God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. In Deuteronomy it says that he is a faithful God. In Joshua it says, be strong and courageous. In Judges, he raised up a deliverer. In Ruth, I will go wherever you go. In 1 Samuel, there is no one like you. In 2 Samuel, your house will be blessed forever. In 1 Kings, it says, I have heard you, declares the Lord. In 2 Kings, I will defend this city and save it. In 1 Chronicles, the Lord is with you when wherever you go. In 2 Chronicles, his love endures forever. In Ezra, our God lit, gives light to our eyes. In Nehemiah, the God of heaven will give us success. Doesn't sound like death to me. I don't know about you. In Esther, he prepares the banquet. In Job, I know that my Redeemer lives. In Psalms, his, his uh, burdens are, are my burdens. Are, my burdens are his burdens. He will make your path straight in Proverbs. In Ecclesiastes, stand in awe of God. In Song of Songs, his banner over me is love. In Isaiah, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. In Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. In Lamentations, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. In Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and pour out my spirit in you. In Daniel, I raise my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Come on, somebody. In Hosea, your fruitfulness comes from me. In Joel, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Amos, seek the Lord and live. In Obadiah, 
and the kingdom will be the Lord's. In Jonah, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. In Micah, the Lord will be my light. In Nahum, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. In Habakkuk, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Zephaniah, he will take great delight in you. In Haggai, and in this house, I will grant peace. In Zechariah, nor by might, nor my power, but my spirit, says the Lord. Malachi, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Come on, somebody. In Matthew, you are the salt of the earth. In Mark, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. In Luke, nothing is impossible without God. In John, I am the bread of life. In Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Romans, there is no condemnation. In 1 Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. In 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. In Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In Ephesians, we are God's workmanship. In Philippians, my God will meet all all your needs. In Colossians, he is before all things. In 1 Thessalonians, we will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Come on, somebody. 2 Thessalonians, God is a just God. In 1 Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 2 Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power. In Titus, he is the hope. In Philemon, I am no longer a slave. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he will lift you up. In 1 Peter, he has given us new birth. In 2 Peter, he has given us his precious promises. In 1 John, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. 2 John, his command is that you walk in love. In 3 John, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Jude, he is a merciful God. And in Revelations, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Behold, I am coming soon. You tell me where words of death are in any of that in any of our Bibles. But yet, we have the propensity to speak death over people. It comes in areas such as criticism, stirring up division, breaking confidences, using vile speech, the just kidding syndrome, gossip. There was an elderly man who had serious hearing problems for a number of years. His family tried again and again to convince him to go to the doctor to get a hearing aid. Finally, he went. He went to the doctor and was fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to hear 100%. A month later, he went back to the doctor. The doctor said with a smile, your hearing is perfect. Your family must be really pleased that you can hear again. The old man replied, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversations and gossip about me. I've changed my will three times. It also comes by passing along false information about spreading negativity. So our goal tonight is we need to start learning how to speak life like we just went through the entire Bible. Speaking life over someone means, number one, 
We speak words as like a monument. And let me explain. You're probably going, Rob, I have no clue. Well, the first time I heard this, I had no clue. But it makes sense. In 2 Timothy 1.3, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly, what's that next word? Remember, Doug, if you could leave that right there. He says, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, I've got to give you some background information for you to understand why Paul used that specific word, remember. It's not like, baby, did you remember to take the trash out tonight? That's not what that means. But to give you the background information, Paul was in prison. In fact, Michelle and I saw the prison that he was in. It's right by the Roman Colosseum. He was in prison, and he was actually sentenced to death. And so he's in this cell basically waiting for the guards to come unshackle him and escort him to the beheading platform. But before that happens, he receives a letter, perfect timing, from Timothy. And apparently in that letter, Paul could discern that there was something going on with Timothy that wasn't good, meaning Timothy was, was kind of in a bad way. And Paul felt very, very compelled to jot down and to write what was on his heart. And so he says right here, Timothy, basically, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And I want to give you what that word remember is. And it's very, very awesome. It denotes a written record used to record and memorialize a person's actions. It also, in other places, it signifies a statue or a monument as a memorial of that person. So why would Paul literally hours away from his own life being taken says, I want to memorialize you basically before he prays for Timothy. Timothy had needs. You've got needs too, right? Before Paul prays for specific needs of Timothy, he says, I want to memorialize you in the throne room of heaven before anything else happens. That was behind the motive of Paul's heart. He wanted the, the throne room of heaven to see statues and monuments of the accomplishments of Timothy. He wanted to brag on Timothy to God so that when God came out of his door to go get the paper, there's a monument. Oh, that's Timothy. Oh, there, there's Timothy. There's Timothy. All over his front yard was monuments. Just like there are monuments and cemeteries, it doesn't signify their death. It signifies their life. And in the same way, Paul says, I've got to speak words as like a monument to my brother because of what he has done. God, can, can you just give me a few minutes before I present Timothy's 
current, present needs, I want to speak words of life about my brother. How would you like for somebody to pray for you like that? Before your needs are prayed for, they are literally building a monument in heaven to the throne room of God. I think our marriages might be a little different. I think our relationships and our businesses would be a little different. How about you? Let me turn this around. Is there someone in your life who is really in a bad way? It could be a child. It, it, it could be a grandchild. It could be a coworker, even a spouse. Rather than be critical, rather than be judgmental, rather than deliver the hammer on them, how about we pray like Paul did? And basically, to summarize that verse, I'm going to tell you what Paul basically said to, to his brother in, on behalf of Timothy. He says, Timothy, my intention is to pray, 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 pray for you until I have set the record straight about your accomplishments and until I have stacked the throne room of God with your name. Before I pray for your needs, I'm going to load up heaven with statues and monuments because I want prayers for you to stand as an everlasting memorial to God. That's what Paul was saying. How about we change the way we pray? Rather than begin with the needs of somebody we say, I remember you in my prayers. I'm setting a monument to you in the throne room. I want every angel in heaven to hear about your name and you include their name. How about we do that for a change? I'm telling you, it will flush out negativity. It will flush out criticalness. And before you know it, your spirit comes alive and, 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 and you're not thinking bad things about that person anymore and about the condition they're in. You're memorializing him or her to the throne room of God and something inside of you is going to change. And when you get to work, they're going to say, what happened to you? And you're going to say, because I remembered my brother or my sister. Another way to speak life over someone is to speak words that do not keep record. Let me explain what that means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, you've heard this verse before at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Verse 5, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. One day I'm reading that. I've used that scripture a hundred of times in the weddings that I've done. But something intrigued me where it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so I just had to find out what that meant. And that word record is actually a Greek term for bookkeeping. Well, that kind of intrigued me because I'm a, I'm a math guy. I love numbers. Okay, well, let's take this one step further. So I begin reading and I find out, do you remember back in the day before really computers? You, some of you may not, but back in the day for a company to keep their records, 
accounting records, they would put them in a cloth ledger or binder. How many of you remember those old clunky collecting dust? You may have even used one. Today it's computers, so just go with the analogy, okay? What that ledger is for is a permanent record, correct? So that here it is in 2016. If I said, hey, Joe, uh, can I see your payroll for the month of June in 2008? Joe would get out of his chair, go pull that big old cloth-bound head dust on it, pull it off the shelf, bring it. This is 2000. Let me flip to June. Oh, there's the payroll number right there. In other words, it is a permanent record, correct? Well, the Lord convicted me so much that as I'm reading the explanation of what this bookkeeping term reads and, and why the author, uh, Paul, used it, he said, Ron, this is what you're doing to your wife. What does that mean, Lord? He said, when your wife said something maybe four or five years ago, you logged it in in that ledger. You may, be, may have uh, logged it in as a permanent record, and you put it up on that shelf and five years later, in an argument, you brought up what she said five years ago. Whew. That was tough to swallow. And I realized at that point, oh my goodness, what am I doing to her and to my marriage? You see, love says today... You can't go back yesterday. You can't go back the day before or even five years. Go grab something that your spouse or someone said to you and use it as ammunition to win an argument. So in order for us to, uh, to make analogy here or application, we've got to speak words that do not keep records. Amen? You see, in, in a business that practice really works because if the IRS comes knocking, you got to find that document, right? But in relationships, in a marriage, love says you can't go back in time and pull that record off the shelf and say, well, you said this about me. So here's my question. Does God keep a ledger on our stuff? In Psalm 103.12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So does God keep a record of our wrongs? Then why do we? It's like there's a filing cabinet, man, and, and you've got your files, man. They're organized and they're, 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 they're in alphabetical order and you've got those tabs that do this and then they go this way and that way and you've got everything organized and you grab that filing cabinet, you open it up and you pull out and you use it to win an argument. Pastor Brandon, it got real quiet in here, brother. I just have one more thing to add before we move on. Remember what your king did for you. Would you like for me to ask Doug to pull up pictures of the movie The Passion that was made several years ago and for you to see vividly the pictures of his body? I think it's one of the best movies that, that depict what he actually went through. Would you like to see those again of what he did for you? You see, that I call that agape love. He had you on his heart and on his mind the entire way. 
And that kind of love you're not going to find in a ledger because Jesus is not tabulating everything and every wrong that you've done and marking, marking and marking. Oh, let me, oh, we filled up 2016 already. We got to start another ledger. He is not that kind of a God. Amen. He's a loving God and, and he wants you to, to do the same thing and to speak words that do not keep a record. Consider for a moment what this type of love looks like. Honey, I love you. But what I really mean is that I am patient and kind with you. I do not envy you. I do not boast in front of you. I am not proud before you. I am not rude to you. I seek your good and not my own. I am not easily angered by you, and I keep no record of your wrongs. What if we could love like that all the time? Amen? So number one, we want to speak words that do not, or, or words like a monument. Number two, we want to speak words that, that do not keep a record. But number three, we want to speak words that are filled with the Spirit. That are filled with the Spirit. And let me bring you to Ephesians. It's actually in the Common English Bible because I think it gives it a, a little bit a stronger emphasis. It says this, Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Colon. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, number 21, submit to each other out of respect for Christ. But we're going to focus on, on verse 19. He says... I want you to be filled with the Spirit by speaking to other with songs and hymns and, and spiritual songs and, and, and praise. Paul knew that spiritual killers were a, dec, a direct result of what comes out of our mouth. And so he was preparing us and preparing his uh, readers and giving them practical steps to avoid speaking death over someone. And so I just want to encourage you, as you walk out your spiritual journey, just to say, Lord, would you search my heart? Give me a spiritual song from my, from my daughter. Give me a spiritual insight. Give me a hymn from my husband. Give me a, give me something from my coworker. And speaking in hymns and psalms is just simply speaking kind words, positive encouragement, uplifting things rather than tearing people down. Guys, when you start singing songs to your wife, watch out. What she's going to say is, baby, you sound a little like Elvis. <laughs> and the next day when you wake up, you, you, you sing a good praise song over her, you encourage her, you speak life over her and not tear her down, she's going to say, I see a little Michael Jackson up in there. Couple weeks later, it's Saturday and you're drinking coffee and you bellow it out again, Nat King Cole. Acts, the book of Acts describes a man named Stephen. And this is how he is described. A man full of the Spirit. 
You think he spoke psalms and spiritual uplifting things about people? I think so. I don't think he, he went around going, did you see what Paul did yesterday at church? He parked in the pastor's parking spot. And you know what I did? I took a picture of it. I sent it to the pastor because he needs to know. And did you see what Paul did two weeks ago? He walked right by me and didn't even say hello. The nerve. And his mother-in-law? I saw her at Walmart. You want to hear some gossip? She had wine in her cart. She says it was for cooking. But I don't think it was. What do you think? Next thing you know, it's all over Facebook. Paul's mother-in-law, seen at Walmart, wine in her cart. No, I, I think he spoke praises of Paul. He was a man full of the Spirit. He sang hymns to God. He submitted himself just like Ephesians just told us. I believe that there was some, some songs within him. There were some uplifting words that will continue. And I believe people wanted to surround themselves and be around that man. He didn't get pulled over for a DUI. He got pulled over for an SUI, speaking under the influence. To speak life over someone and into someone, you got to speak words that are filled with the Spirit. Amen? And the last way to speak life over someone is this. Number four. You speak words that bring healing. One of my favorite verses that I use an awful lot around is this. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The first time I read it, I thought it was a very cute verse, but I got to experience it firsthand. Back in, <clears throat> on January 1, 2004, my mom passed away. And exactly one week later, it was actually, but back then we did prayer and fasting for only seven days. And, and, and on that day, it was the Sunday, it was called the breakout Sunday, the last day of our fast. And uh, most everyone had, had cleared the building because y'all were hungry. I'm just going to be honest. It was uh, Michelle and I and, and Pastor Todd and Miss Tanya and maybe one or two other people, and that was it. It was late, it was late, it was late. And um, I want to set this up. I had asked for prayer from Pastor Todd because I was in a transition period. Years before, I had, uh, when we moved from uh, Baton Rouge, we moved to Atlanta. I was in the engineering field, did that for about five and a half, six years. We moved back here, so that was a transition for me. Uh, and got into the restaurant business and did that for about 11, 12 years. And, and I kind of felt like I was at the end of that restaurant type thing. And I felt that I was in transition. I was at a crossroads. And so that particular Sunday, 
um, I had asked Brother Todd, would you pray over me? I'm in a transit, and he knew about it. I'm in a transition. I don't know what my next job is going to be. Uh, I'm kind of stuck. I, you know, I, I've done the prayer and fasting. I haven't heard. I haven't gotten insight from the Lord. Um, you, you know, I got to put food on my table, Lord. But Brother Todd, would you just, just simply pray for me? He said, Rob, I would love to. And so anyway, uh, again, my mom had passed away just the previous week. And so um, I, I'm, I'm actually over here and um, I find myself on the floor after him praying for me. And, and Brother Todd was, was getting after it. I'll just leave it at that. And he was binding and loosing. And I think all of Lafayette heard it. Bless his heart. But anyway, he's praying over me and, and I'm, on the, I'm on the carpet. And um, the next thing I know... I opened my eyes and he reached down to, to grab my hand to help me up off the carpet. And it was like a heavy anvil was on my chest. And I never felt that before. And as soon as he pulled me up, right then and there, God said, I'm calling you into ministry. I said, what? Did that come through the speakers? I had never heard that before. I mean, I hadn't eaten all week. and Okay, well, maybe it was a lack of food. I don't know. Lord, you're going to have to help me out with this. I didn't tell anybody. We're driving in front of Acadiana High School going home. I tell my wife, she was already knew that. How come you didn't tell me? Anyway, called Pastor Todd that night. Uh, I think, meant, okay, Brock, can you say it one more time? Okay, okay. I think we need to meet with you and Michelle. We met. We went to a, a local uh, restaurant, and uh, and that's when I just shared. I said, "I don't know where that came from. I don't know what. I don't. Know. I just feel like the Lord said I'm calling you into ministry." Long story short, it took us a couple of weeks to iron out it. But he said, "Rob, actually, I'm shorthanded pastorally." He said, "Would you like to come on board?" I guess that's the call to ministry right there. There you go. Well, I come from a family who's not this denomination. And so my mom had passed away. How, how do I tell my dad this, you know? I'm going to be a pastor. I mean, my, my dad was an engineer. My brothers were engineers. I was an engineer. Is that going to upset the apple cart? How is he, you know, how is he going to react? I was very nervous, struggled with it. So one day I go into the backyard and I can tell you exactly where I was standing. I was on a flip phone. You remember those? I was on a flip phone. And I struggled so much to dial the phone because I didn't know what he was going to say. I didn't know what was going to come out of his mouth. It was If it was going to be life or death, I had no clue. Ever been there? And so anyway, I, I make the call, and, and I'm making small talk for about 15 hours. I'm exaggerating, but how's the weather in Franklin? Probably like Lafayette, Rob. It's good. How's the dog? How's the cat? Rob, we've never had a cat. Oh, that's true. Um, how's the neighbors? How's Miss Joyce? Oh, I was sidestepping that conversation big time because I was struggling. I was nervous. And then something rose up in me. 
Uh, Dad, I have something to tell you. Silence. Ever been there? Um, I know what my next job's going to be. Silence. I've been called to pastor. And his response was, I'm so proud of you. And when I can tell you the healing in me went directly to my bones. Mentally, emotionally, even physically. I was so worried all that time for nothing. But I experienced that deep, sweet, to the soul, to the core of my inner being when he said, I'm so proud of you. So, death or life for you in what you speak? Death or life for you, what will you speak? I recommend that you speak words like a monument, that you speak words that do not keep a record, words that are filled with the Spirit, and words that bring healing. In conclusion, words can do one of two things. In calculated expert hands, they can manipulate and take someone prisoner wind themselves around their limbs like a spider silk, preventing movement, which leads to piercing the skin, entering the blood, numbing all thoughts, and paralyzing the inside. For inside is the destination. Conversely, in spirit-led, compassionate hands, words can move someone to tears, evoke absolute joy, and shine light into an otherwise dark space. Their timing brings strength, gives flight to faith, and is like a well-crafted poem that breathes freshness. Once heard, the soul is nourished. They are never forgotten. Like the words of a dad to a son, I'm so proud of you. Which way are you going to go? Either way, there's power behind words. I, I got to tell you that. I want to choose life. Speaking life. Over people, over my family. over coworkers, over bosses. Choosing life will change the atmosphere wherever you go. <clears throat> I double-dog dare you to try it. <clears throat> you say, Rob, well, I, I never did get life words from my... <clears throat> 
I would ask the Holy Spirit to give you the vision for your words and for your tongue as well as to give you vision for people and not to categorize them and, and to put them in a box and to, 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 to judge them automatically, but speak life over them. When you begin to speak life, your life changes. You want to see your kids begin to have good grades instead of bad grades? You begin to speak life. You want things to change maybe in, in your marriage? Begin to speak life. Oh, you, you don't know what they said five years ago. You cannot keep a record. Scripture just told us. Rob didn't say it. Scripture did. Amen. If you would, please stand. We went through every book of the Bible and not once. Nowhere in the 62, 66 books in the Bible are you going to find words of death. The book, our Bible, is our example. It's our teacher. It's our roadmap. It is our guide. God created us to be speaking people. Would you agree? Animals can't do it. I mean, if, if a, a male elephant <clears throat> wants to go on a date with a female elephant, it's more of it. There's not, not much, uh, a lot going on. There's nothing spoken. Would you agree? But with us, God has given us the, the, uh, the capacity to communicate not just what we want, but what others want. And so what I want you to do is just simply bow your head. And, and this is not a time to, to get beaten up or anything because look, I, I'm, I'm in the mix too. The, the reason why uh, th this, this little message has been stirring in me for the last, I don't know, week or two, and um, Pastor Kelly wasn't able, he was supposed to preach tonight, and, and, and so yesterday when we talked about it, I said, look, brother, don't worry about it. If, if you need to take care of that, you need to take care of that. And he was like, oh, man, I don't want to put the burden. I said, look, I've already got something inside of me that has to come out, that, that I feel like I've got to teach myself, and, and you happen to be the recipients of it. But And so I want to end with this question again. Which way are you going to go? And so with your eyes closed, with the slip of your hand raised high, you'd say, Rob, man, I got to do some work. Let, let, let me see. Let me, don't, don't, don't look around. I just want to see there's hands going up. Yep. I, my hand is lifted up high too. Honestly, I think we all have to begin a process of evaluating, seeing the effect of our words, and asking God for forgiveness. 
And so, Father, I pray over everyone in this auditorium. Father, we just submit to you and declare that, Lord, we need help in this area. Because, Lord, we don't want our last words to someone being words of death, but rather words of life. We pray for your spirit to to help us, to, 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 to literally help us to discern when we're about to go into that realm of death words, that we're convicted of it and we turn and we make a difference. Lord, we know with your help that we can change the atmosphere of our home. We can change the atmosphere of where we work, where we live, even our neighbors. How many of you agree with that? That Lord, that we know that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. But Lord, we choose life tonight and agree that by faith we will see some good positive activity, not only right here in our home, but in our community and even in our nation. And so Lord, I pray over everyone in here that you will use us as a change agent to deliver words of life because as we read from Genesis to Revelation, he is the redeemer. He is the the refuge. He is our shelter. I could go down that list one more time. Father, you speak life into us. And we know that it is our task, our responsibility to speak life into others. We thank you for tonight. We thank you that the blood of Jesus covers us and that the blood of Jesus forgives us and doesn't hold a record of wrongs against us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.